0: Welcome to the Anchored Church podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more content and upcoming events, visit anchoredchurchcsra.com. All right, well, the time is here. We are starting our new new series, Ephesians, the Church Alive in Christ. So turn with me to the book of Ephesians. It's on the right side of your Bible in the New Testament, right after Galatians, uh, but before Philippians. So right in there. One of Paul's prison letters. So this letter was written while Paul was in jail. So keep that in mind as we go throughout because there is hope no matter what. In fact, that's why our church exists as Anchor Church to to invite people to embrace Jesus as an anchor for their soul. I'm Brandon, I'm our lead pastor here. I didn't introduce myself earlier uh, and so I apologize for that because I know we have some new faces today and we're just excited that all of you are here. I do want to uh, mention very quickly about Another card that you have at your seat that I didn't tell you about It may be a confusing one. Uh, It's the one that says Anchor Church, 10 a.m., Evans Middle School. And you go, why am I getting a card about this? I'm already here. Like, uh, (laughs) I I already know where it is and what time. Because we need your help in spreading the word about Anchor Church. Uh, We are limited in being able to put up our signs at the dawn break of Sunday morning. And so we're uh, entirely dependent upon everyone here and everyone here last week and everyone that will be here next week to help kind of be our street team and just help spread the word, yes, about Anchor Church, but also about the hope of Jesus. And so uh, feel free to take that card with you. Take the one next to you. If there's an empty seat right there, just take both of them. Maybe give it to a friend, a coworker, um, especially if you've had a positive experience here and you're like, man, I want other people uh, to to also experience what I have and to be able to maybe even join you in the seat next to you next week at church. All right, so Ephesians. Man, as as I think about the beginning of Ephesians and this, it's amazing, I'm even a, a... attempting to preach this passage in one sermon i mean it's like we, we could spend weeks on this the first thing i thought of was a a gift basket how many of you like gift baskets how many would be excited if you got a gift basket yeah me too i see that hand in the back good so I don't know what your gift basket would look like. There there are a few different ones. This one's got, you know, fruit, jams, jellies. Anybody into this sort of gift basket? Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. I mean, you really can't wrap your mind up. This one's more of my favorite. This is the barbecue gift basket. Hobby, right? Yeah, yeah we're, we're, in, we're into barbecue together. And so, yeah, so, I mean, just rubs and and utensils and neat grill tools and all that this would be my favorite and then this next one probably resonate with some of you in the room especially some of you uh, ladies some soaps some lotions some different things like that you know some notebooks I don't know I don't know what your gift basket would include but at any rate being given a lot of gifts like this even as we're showing the pictures it's hard to even wrap your mind around what you're seeing there's so much there And that's exactly what Ephesians 1 is like. Like, There's so many blessings that God has given us. In fact, try this sometime. Try to write down all the blessings in your life that God has given you. And if you're like me, the experience I have when I try to do that sometimes, it's a great um, practice if you're not accustomed to doing that regularly, like actually writing them down. It's, It's a really great thing. It'll encourage you greatly in your walk. But as I try to do that sometimes, the first three minutes are really hard because I've just got so much going on up in this three-pound brain. You know, there's just a lot going on around there. We're, we're all busy. Um, there, there's a lot of competition for the real estate in your mind, amen? You know, there's a lot going on. And as I try to think of the blessing, sometimes it's real slow getting started. I mean, I know God has blessed me, but I'm like, okay, okay yes, yes, this. and But just as you go, you will be surprised. You will fill up pages. I have pages in my journal just filled up with like, what is God doing right now that is a blessing in my life and that I need to praise him for? And so that's really the heart behind the message today is to invite you to praise him throughout all the blessings in your life. And so let's dive into Ephesians chapter one. We've already... Uh, heard the scripture reading this morning, you saw the video, we read the entire passage. We're going to start in verse 3. And it's really just, um, as as we look at the gift basket of Ephesians 1, uh, 3 through 14, you'll you you'll notice several gifts. You have a handout actually in your seat. We have some fill in the blanks for you. Uh, hopefully you received one of those uh, coming in. You can feel free to join me on that. We love note taking around here. Um, not, not for like uh, any other reason other than it just sticks better when we write it down. And so I hope that's a blessing to you to be able to track through the sermon, we have seven specific uh, gifts that we're gonna look at today. The first one is this, and in Him is a key phrase. So you'll see in Him, and then we'll look at the blessing. So in Christ, in Him, we are blessed with what? Every spiritual blessing. Which ones? Every one of them. Yeah, and that's worth getting excited about because when it comes to blessing you, God has, like, God knows what you need. God knows what I need. He knows who I need in my life to help shape and mold me more to be like Jesus. He knows, he knows everything that we need. He is the capital S Shepherd, and he is meant to be your shepherd, and I pray that he is. But we are blessed with everything that we need, every spiritual blessing. So let's take a look at verse 3 together. Let's just read through this. And this is really... As we go through this morning, this is also what's known as like a, a um, in, in literature, this is a praise eulogy. It's basically a worship song, okay? Like the things we were just singing, all your promises are yes and amen, Lord, I will bless your name. It's not about me, it's about you. This is, this is really a praise anthem recounting our blessings. So here we go. Blessed is the God and Father and, sorry, blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every Spiritual blessing, there it is, in the heavens in Christ. So we're just going to chew on that for a moment. First of all, you may think, we've, we've talked a lot about God blessing us through the gift basket illustration. But what about us blessing God? What does that look like? Well, he's a perfect being. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He can do anything he wants, be anywhere he wants to be. He can be in multiple places at one time. He's really good at doing supernatural things because he's a supernatural being. And we go, how can I bless him? What, is, what does he need? of me. And it's not that he needs anything from us, but it's that he created us. This is what's so unique about humankind. Uh, both both man and woman were created to to praise God's name. That's exactly why almost at the end of every single phrase in Ephesians 1, you'll see to the praise of his glory, over and over again, to the praise, to the praise. Why? Cuz we were made to worship. And maybe that's one of the insights you write down this morning. It was not going to come up on the screen, but Man, it's a good thing to remember. I was made to worship. Ever struggle with the purpose in your life? Like, man, what am I supposed to be doing? Hey, while you're figuring out your career, your school, your vocation, what does God have for me long-term? Just hold on to this. God created you. You are different from animals in the sense that you were created to worship. Yes, creation declares the glory of God, Psalm 19. Yes, the mountains sing his praise, and we see that poetic language in the Bible. But humans were specifically created to worship praise God. Angels do it too, right? We see that in the Bible as well. And so this is something we can embrace. We bless the Lord by worshiping him. And then as we bless God as we pour out our prayer, I mean he he blesses us in the first place. Let's get that straight. Whether or not we praise him, we're all benefactors of God's common grace to all men and blessings in our lives because there there are those that uh, are not currently following Jesus. Maybe maybe you're in that boat. Maybe you're still kind of checking Christianity out. Maybe you're new to Christianity and you're still exploring some things. Hey, God has still blessed you. He's blessed you with one thing I know. It's the breath that you just took in. Every breath is from Him. He hold the, He holds the keys to life and death, and so we're all benefactors of His common grace and His design and purpose for us was to pray is to praise Him. He blesses us with everything that we need. You know the. Verse first three here, just to put a bow on it. You know, it covers a few things. First of all, we we mentioned every spiritual blessing, all that we need. But also, there's this there's this superiority to this kind of blessing. We we hear about the kind of blessing. So, what are we talking about? A spiritual blessing. Where where is this spiritual blessing? Let's take a look at the verse again. In the heavens, in Christ. So we see the kind of gift, the kind of blessing that we have, and the location of our gift. And so don't miss us. We have the superiority of the gift. It's better than anything here on earth. It's better than Disney World, okay? Disney World's great, but it's better than anything Disney World could offer us. It's better than, than, than any gift that we've ever received for Christmas or anything like that. It's better than anything, better than any new car, better than any new house, any new gadget that we could want. It's better. Our spiritual blessings are so good they are kept, here's the location, in heaven for us. But the great thing is we don't have to wait until we get to heaven to access the benefits of those blessings. God blesses us with them now. And that's an amazing thing. They're there for us when we get to heaven, but we get to benefit from them now. We haven't experienced the fullness of those of those blessings yet. There's like another layer you could think about that, that heaven will bring. Sin will not be present. Um, you know, all sorts of things are different about heaven. But we can experience those now. So it's just great. We can experience them right this second. The second gift, let's take a look, let's, let's keep opening the gift basket here. The second gift, and everybody say this first part with me. Ready? One, two, three. In Him. There we go. We're, we're going we're to practice. We're going to get a few more reps in. We are chosen for holiness. We are chosen for holiness. That's what verse four says. For He chose us in Him. That's, that's important to know. Not just that God chose us, he chose us in Christ. That Christ is, we're going to get further into it in a minute, but Christ is the plan. <laughs> Christ is the person. He is the culmination of everything. So everything's in Christ. We have to understand all of these truths in Christ. So he chose us in him. When? Before the foundation of the world. But what, what is this choosing? What is the nature of this choosing? Let's just, let's take a look at it. To be holy and blameless in love before him. That is God not only created us to worship, to the praise of his glorious grace, right? But also to be holy, to be set apart. That if we belong to him, that we should be different. And that's convicting sometimes as Christians, right? Because sometimes some sometimes Christians can look just like everybody else and act like everybody else. And do the same shady stuff as everybody else and say the same words as everybody else and kind of be into the same things. And the book of 1 John puts it like this, that we should be in the world, but not of the world. That is very different. The, the calling to be holy is the nature of what God has chosen us for. He has, he has set us apart. And we see this in the Old Testament through Israel. They were set apart From other nations, but now the church, the book of Romans helps us understand that the church has been, you know, grafted in, and now the church is, you know, like we see the church is the people of God, and now the church is called to be different. What does the church alive in Christ look like? We're we're called to look and behave differently. How so? We're going to get into that. That's like most of the second half of Ephesians is what should we be doing? And so just hang on. We're going to to get there. But people get tripped up over this verse all the time because we're going to get into talking about choosing. And we're going to talk next about predestination. We're getting there in just a second and we get really tied up. But we're going to make it super clear for you this morning. So he chose us to be what? Holy and blameless in love before him. But what else? what else so so he chose us for that but also in him this is our next gift in him we are predestined for adoption so in the previous gift we saw a gift centered around our sanctification that's a big word that just means to be made more like Jesus that's all that means we're chosen to be holy because that's who God is and that's who Jesus is and Ephesians 5 says therefore be imitators of Christ and so we're supposed to look more like Jesus behave more like Jesus that is ultimately what God has chosen us for but in him, we are predestined for adoption. So the plan is this: like God know, like God knew when he created the universe and created man and woman that that sin was going to enter the picture. Sin did not catch God off guard. Let's just theologically we need to get that out of the way. Sin, God did not go, oh man, plot twist did not see that coming. <laughs> right? God knew that sin was going to enter the picture. God knew that when he gave man free agency to choose between hey, my word and what I've revealed to you and the plan I have and then your own way. He knew that we would choose our own way. He wasn't caught off guard by that. From the beginning, again, the previous verse before the foundations of the world. I mean, this is, you know, cuz God knows all. There's no beginning point like God doesn't begin to know things. He just knows things. That's how that's how great he is. And and he has this plan that's what predestined means. It, it means that, that, that beforehand there was, a, there was a destiny, a plan. I mean, it literally is wrapped up in the Word. It just means plan beforehand. And the adoption, what is the adoption about? Well, the Bible teaches that because of sin, we are spiritual orphans. It's like a metaphor that helps us understand our lost condition. So that's what the Bible, when we talk about the lost. Jesus came to say, seek and save the lost, It means that sin separates us from God, and so we're not in relationship with God. We're not experiencing these blessings. We're not not in right relationship with him, and so we are separated as spiritual orphans. In Ephesians 2, we're going to get into the meat of what God did about that. But here, Paul's just saying, hey, this is a great gift. What's the gift? That God planned from the very beginning, beforehand, that we would be adopted. Like, that's God's plan A for every one of us in here. Now, we get really tripped up on this because some people say, well, what is the nature of this adoption? Did God pre-select those beforehand and and go ahead and decide everyone's eternal future beforehand? We're not going to get into that this morning. There's just not enough time. If you would like to talk about that over a cup of coffee, we can definitely do that. I would really enjoy that because those are important conversations to have. But what Ephesians is really after and what Paul was really communicating here, because here's what the Jews thought. Go with me here. The Jews thought this that they were the chosen ones, that they were the predestined ones. And all these Gentiles coming up in the church now, who are these people? I mean, we're happy for them, but like, y'all aren't like really, I mean, like y'all y'all kind of snuck in late. You guys, you guys are like second rate church. You know what I mean? And there were, there were some divisions here. Ephesians 2 is going to talk more about that. This was Paul's way of starting, hey, before we get into anything else, y'all need to understand, who was chosen and who was predestined? Us. Jews, no, no, us, Gentiles, us, both, both were chosen, both were predestined. This was the plan from the beginning, for holiness, for adoption, our salvation and our sanctification. You guys tracking with me? This is this is the grand plan. He's saying this is what God has planned all along. And so, you know, in Roman adoption, the way that it worked in his culture, and they would have understood adoption, it wasn't. It wasn't quite like our adoption. We won't go through every nuance, but I do want to just mention that in Roman adoption, there was there was a change, a complete change of identity, and that's the truth of those that have submitted their lives to Christ. Is that the old self of Ephesians four, where we're going to get into? Like the old self is gone, and I would tell you from when I came to Christ, I would tell you the old Brandon's gone. I'm, like, like, that old Brandon lived in guilt and shame, and I would, I would, I would be embarrassed for y'all to meet him, uh, because Jesus has done a great work in my life, and while I'm still not anywhere close to being perfect, um, Jesus has changed me thoroughly. He gave me a new identity when I came to him, and I just want to ask you, what about, what about you? What about when you came to Christ? For those of you who call yourselves Christians in the room, is the old you gone? Have you received a new identity? Because when you're adopted, I mean, there, there's just this, it's not just the name. It's not just like a new last name or new, you know, just, you know, like the legal name kind of changes. But it's a whole new identity. There's a depth. There's a new you. And all of a sudden, the things that used to satisfy you don't satisfy you anymore. All of a sudden, there's a rub there. Hey, I used to, used to not bother me at all to do or think in this kind of uh, flesh realm. And now that I'm in this spirit realm of the Spirit of God... Now, all of a sudden, that offends me, where before it didn't. Because when you live in the darkness for a long time, guess what happens? You adjust to the darkness. Your eyes adjust, right? This literally happens in our biology. Our pupils dilate. We get comfortable in the dark. What happens when the light all of a sudden hits you? Your pupils shrink. It's abrasive. It's a fi- Oh, man, this is this is something altogether different. But then when you walk in the light, all of a sudden, you see the distinction between the light and the darkness again. And you can see the shadowy places, right? One of my favorite movies, Lion, Lion King, right? You know, hey, those shadowy places over there, don't go, all right? Don't, and all, all of a sudden, there's a distinction between the lighted places and the shadowy places in your life. All right, let's go to the next gift. So we talked about being chosen for holiness, being predestined for adoption. But what about this next one? In him, we have received or we have redemption and forgiveness. So two things we're talking about this morning. Verse 7, let's go ahead and read verse 7 together. Let's go ahead and read verse 7 together. And we see, we see here, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Redemption, the idea of redemption in the Bible is that, is that there is a liberation. You guys have heard the worship song before, I'm sure. Amazing grace, my chains are gone, right? I've been set free. This, this is redemption. Uh, someone in the ancient world could buy, could purchase a slave and then choose to set them free. This is what Jesus Christ has done for us. That in our sin, we were slaves to sin. Like you can't help but do it. It's just your nature. It's just, it's, you're a slave. You got to do what the master says, and what God did for us is he made it possible for us to be free. We don't free ourselves. We don't go, "Man, I'm tired of these chains. I'm just going to take them off." No, God paid God paid the price by sending his son to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. When Jesus paid the price, he redeemed us. He he paid the price and then and and then now we belong to him and then he sets us free. You see the you see the process of redemption here. And this for the, for the Jews, this would have been a huge throwback to the Exodus, to the, to the book of the Exodus, where they were freed from the Egyptian slavery. And they were redeemed. They were, they were, they were, redeemed. They were set free. What, what was broken and messed up is made whole. That's, that's, that's the other um, connotation that redemption has. What's broken and messed up has now been made whole. But what about forgiveness? Well, this Greek word for forgiveness, this Greek word for forgiveness means, means that it was carried away. So not simply that there was a fence and then forgiveness took place. That's certainly true. We've been freed from the penalty of sin through salvation. That's justification. That's being made right in, in God's sight. But get this. It's like a balloon, right? How many of y'all have ever had a helium balloon in your hand? Probably everybody in the room, right? And you're holding it. But the balloon is like tugging because if you let go of that balloon, it's going to float away. And every child has had that experience for the first time, (laughs) like, you know, let go of the balloon and it flies away and there's tears and there's all sorts of things. Um, It's a real sad day. We have three small boys and it's happened to every one of them, even after we told them, don't let go of the balloon, don't let go because you're going to lose it. But the beauty, and while while that's a negative thing, when Jesus carried away our sin, remember, remember the two goats we talked about during our Jesus No Filter series a little while back, we talked about how one of the goats was sacrificed The blood was sprinkled through his blood. We have redemption through his blood. The blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies. But then this other goat, they laid the sins upon that goat, and then they said, get out of here. And that goat flew into the wilderness and left, and that was supposed to symbolize that when you come to Christ, that when you become a Christian, that your sins have been cast as far as east is from west, further from you than you can imagine. This is so hard for us to believe, isn't it? Because... We're just convinced that like God's holding on to stuff, you know, because that's what we do. We say, Oh yeah, I forgive you. Oh yeah, we have redemption. Oh yeah, we're we're cool now. Like relationally with people, right? We say, Yeah, 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 we're cool. But then there's these moments like where where Satan just tempts us in the back of our minds, just like, yeah, yeah, but think about what they did to you. Yeah, but yeah, but remember, remember how jacked up that was? And then we get kind of sucked back into that. Friends, let me encourage you this morning. God is not like us in that way. Here's, here's the amazing truth, that actually when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin, and even the sin that like is, has not been, so we're freed from the penalty of sin, but there's still the power of sin that we're kind of wrestling with, and sanctification chisels away at that. So day by day, as we live for Jesus, the power of sin is, uh, if we're walking in the Spirit, if we are being faithful in our relationship with God, he is sanctifying us, and that power of sin is diminishing. And you can grow in that way. It doesn't mean you'll ever be free from sin in this life. You know, like you, you'll be a perfect. But it does mean that when you grow in your faith, that you don't get tripped up as easily. That you can have progress in that area. But as we think about that, as we, as we think about redemption, as we think about forgiveness, when God looks at you, he sees his perfect son. He doesn't see your sin anymore. He sees Jesus' righteousness. This is the doctrine of imputed righteousness. It means that we receive a righteousness that's not our own. It's what Jesus said, your righteousness, if you want to be in heaven, it's got to be greater than the Pharisees. And people go, who can outdo the Pharisees in keeping the rules? They're like the best rule keepers ever. And what Jesus meant was, you need my righteousness. You need a perfect holiness outside of yourself. And that's what salvation is, friends. When we give our life to Christ, we say, Jesus, I trust you and your perfection. I turn from my sin, but I trust that you paid the price, that you redeemed me, that you forgave me. My sins have floated away. They've been carried away by the Savior. According to the riches of his grace, that's the last part of verse 7. The Bible says that God is rich in mercy. He's slow to anger. He abounds in love. And he richly poured this out on us. How? What what does verse 8 say? Let's put that up there. He poured it out on us with all wisdom and and understanding. Why did God do this? Not merely because it was convenient. Not merely because it was um, necessary. It was. We we needed it. We were desperate and, and, and enemies cast off from him. But why? Because he's perfect in wisdom and understanding. God knows. Remember the verses before? It's a plan from, from the very beginning. God has carefully orchestrated this plan. He has Chosen, predestined, like this is all working out how God wants it to work out. And we're convinced sometimes, guys, let's just be honest. We're not always convinced that God's plan is working. Because sometimes we see the world we live in, we see the brokenness. Just watch the news for 10 minutes, and you'll be, you know, sucked in and going, it doesn't look like God's in control. It, lo- it looks like He's taking a nap sometimes. We, I know it's not popular to admit that, like in church, but I mean, we got to acknowledge that sometimes we go, really? But God's word reminds us he's not napping, he's not unaware, he's not on lunch break. God doesn't sleep, he doesn't need to rest like we do. Sometimes we need to rest to acknowledge and, and, and get in the word daily to be reminded of his promises, to be reminded of what's true, to be reminded that there's hope, to be reminded that there's healing, to be reminded that there is a big plan and he is working out that plan. Let me just give you guys hope this morning. Let me just give me hope. I need to remind myself of this every day. So we can all be reminded together that no matter what it looks like right now in your life or the lives of others, in the condition of our world, God will work everything according to his plan. He will. He's doing it. Like there's not, there's a 0% chance that he will not accomplish his will. He's not caught off guard. So let's depend on the one man. I I just think about being a child and and just you know the trust of a child to a parent to know. I I have to remind my kids this all the time because they get so confused. You know, like we did a U-turn yesterday. We we're going to pick strawberries and we were driving down the road. It's just a bonus story you get this morning. I just thought of it. it just hit me in the head. I, I didn't even do a U-turn. I did like an O-turn. Like I I had turned a, I I turned that badly in direction. So I'm like literally probably. Illegally maneuvering, I apologize, but but I you know I'm like you know going across and I had to go and I safely did did, did my O turn and um and I'm going around and the kids are like what are you doing like what is it and like they thought Dad's just doing donuts in the middle of Broad Street or you know down there where we were and I was just like guys guys I you know I got it you know they're like but what's going on why do we turn around like why do why are we doing this and I'm like guys I know the way to the strawberry place like I got it and they're just like they went on and on and on and on and on. And man, sometimes God puts us through some O-turns. And it's not because he, no, I I made a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes. But he still puts us through some O-turns because he puts them there for a reason. Sometimes he puts us there, sometimes he puts them there for us to grow. Sometimes he puts them there for us to lean into him in more of a posture of desperation like we actually need him. Hey, just um, just a bonus question for us to think about this morning before we go on to the next gift. Have you and I carefully orchestrated our life? Have we made it so safe that we don't even need to depend on God? You know what I mean. Have we, have we, um, have we created space for that kind of desperation before Him? And when those moments come, when those sharp turns happen on the journey, what is our response? Sure, we might freak out for a second, but what is our ultimate response? Is it to trust him and his promises? Is it to lean more into him, or is it to pull away from him? Because we all respond to tension and conflict in different ways. Some of us lean harder into trying to get things resolved. Other of us kind of kind of pull back, right? You know, we go, you know, hard things happen in our life, and we pull way back, and we read our Bibles less, and we and we pray less, and different things like that. It's harder for us. And what I'm suggesting to you can be another gift. And to me is that in those hard times, I mean, let's pray more. Let's get in the word more. Let's just let that be an opportunity, a redeeming opportunity to grow in his grace. All right, let's move on to the next gift. Not only this, but you know, His perfect wisdom and understanding. In him, we have the mystery of God's will. And now we, we look at the word mystery, and we think, okay, a mystery is something what? How do we, how do we define a mystery? It's unknown, right? It's, a, it's something we don't know. That's what makes it a mystery. When the Bible uses the word mystery, it's a little different. The Bible refers to a mystery as something, A, that's super important, B, that is knowable. It sounds, it sounds like an anomaly to us, but I'm going somewhere with this. But it's something that we don't know all of it at the same time. It's being slowly, it's like different curtains are being pulled back over a period of time. And this makes sense, right? Because if you think about like how Abraham understood this whole plan to be working out back in Genesis 12, we... We know now more than Abraham knew in Genesis 12. In fact, he he came from a pagan land. You know, I mean, he was he was fresh into this thing when God called him. He had no backstory to go off of, no no uh, Sunday school classes to fall back on, no Bible trivia, or even a Bible <laughs> at all. He just had God. And he still believed him. And that uh, that always just floors me? We're not doing a Genesis series, but it just but it just uh, it just blows my mind. But a mystery is something that's being revealed over and over and over again. Something massively important is something that God is doing. Look at verse 9 with me. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to what? To his good pleasure. So God's doing the thing, like this plan is not just something, this is this is another thing we need to know. He's not just doing things that he has to do. He's doing the things he wants to do. This, this is his pleasure. And that's that's a struggle for us sometimes, cause we don't always agree with the plan. We've we've talked about that a good bit, and so and so another question is like, will I submit to God's plan when I don't like it? Cause we don't have to like God's plan all the time. I go, God, I don't I don't I don't agree with how you're doing this right now, but I trust you. Right? I have lots of moments like that in my life where I'm like, God, I don't I would prefer it not happen this way. <laughs> But who cares about my preferences, you know? I mean, like, I know it sounds harsh. It's not that God doesn't care about how you feel. But but at the end of the day, how we feel about something and how we may like or not like it, how that compares to God's ultimate will is pretty small. And that's why God says in Isaiah, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So you're not going to understand everything. But you, but you got to trust. And that's hard, right? Because trust is hard. It's not easy. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ. There that is again. It's all about Jesus. As a plan for the right time, because God's timing is always perfect. It's always always perfect in time. It's it's, it's timely and timeless. To bring everything together in Christ. There's another verse in Colossians 1. If you just want to write that down for later, Colossians 1. Uh, I think I put the uh, verse in here um, for, yeah, yeah, ver- verses 19 to 20. Colossians 1, 19 to 20. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, that's Jesus, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth, things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Again, this is what happened on the cross. Jesus made peace. And it's the most mind-blowing thing in the world because you look at the cross and you go, that don't look like peace. That's messed up. Like he was in so much pain, the word excruciating comes from like out of the cross. That's the etymology of that word. Like we get the word excruciating from what happened to Jesus. It was so ugly and so unjust. And yet at the same time, when no one thought it was possible, this was so great about God, when no one thought it was possible, God was making peace. God was saving souls. God was changing everything forever. Everything changed and was fulfilled at the cross. And I'll tell you what, throughout all the human history, it didn't look like Jesus was going to make it there. Because guess what Satan tried to do? Guess what the enemy of God tried to do? That fallen angel that made it his life's mission to, to just thwart the plan of God. And he thought every single day and every single week he was going he, he to be able to mess that up through Israel's idolatry, through all these terrible kings they had, through the captivity that Israel went into when they experienced the Babylonian captivity, Assyrian captivity. And then they came back, but then they were still really messed up. And then there was this 400-year period of silence where no, no prophet spoke, where they thought, well, I guess God forgot about us i guess he's i guess none of that stuff was true because god hadn't spoken in 400 years and then a baby named jesus was born and his name shall be called emmanuel god with us quick point application i know it may not feel like god's with you today for some of us in the room you may not feel like god is very close he is with you it's who he is it's what he does He is not far from each of us, the Bible says. So lean into him. Lean into him today. In him, we have this mysterious will of God, this cosmic plan, not merely in our own salvation story, but the grand plan is Jesus. (laughs) Can you write that down? The, The grand plan is Jesus. It's him. He's not just involved in it like it is him, and it's to worship him. As the Lamb of God, slain for our sins. In Him, let's, let's, let's do the last couple here. In Him, we've received an inheritance. If you want to know more about this inheritance, 1 Peter chapter 1, the, the, the prologue of 1 Peter really impacts this. But look at verse 11 with me. In Him, in Christ, we have also received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan, there it is again, of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of His will, so that we who had already put our hope in Christ, so that's the who. So who's chosen? So who's so who's predestined? It's the church. It's, the, it's those that have trusted in Jesus. It's whosoever would trust in him. And so we see that. Those who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. All right, so let's unpack this part piece by piece. First of all, we've received an inheritance. This word received, we just go, okay, I get it. I've received it. But in the Greek language, what they would do, when they wanted you to be so certain that something would happen in the future that you could bank on it now. Have you ever said this to somebody? Like, you know, some things are going down and that there's a moment where you have to do something or where you choose to do something and you tell them because you want to do it so bad and you care so deeply, you say, consider it done. Have you ever said that to somebody? You know, they go, maybe they ask you or maybe it's just necessary and you see the need and you just go, hey, don't worry about that, I got it. That's the weight of this word. It's that Paul wanted the church to be so sure. The future was so certain it cannot possibly fail to happen. They would often speak in this kind of way. So when we say we've received an inheritance, there's no maybe about it. It's happened. And you can equate the word inheritance with hope. But it's kept in heaven for us. We haven't received it all yet. There's a, there's a constant now but not yet tension in the Bible. And we're going to see some of that in this passage as well. But God works everything out in agreement with the purpose of his will. And again, our purpose on this earth is to bring him glory. We are to glorify God and enjoy him forever and worship. Let's go to this last gift. This is huge. Not only have we received an inheritance, but we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. And this shifts to the more immediate experience of the Christian, of the Christian in the church. When Jesus was going to be crucified, he spoke of the Spirit. He said, hey, it's better that I go. I know you guys can't understand this right now, but it's better that I go and that the Spirit come. He's going to help you. He's going to guide you into all truth. He's the capital H Helper. He's the third person of the Trinity. He is fully God. Spirit's not an it. It's a he. He's a he. (laughs) And he is God. And he is here to help you. And even more so than that, what do, what do we see in verse 13? In him, in Christ, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Can you see the Trinitarian language, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit? You see it throughout the whole passage. It's really, it's really neat how the form is. We can't uh, nerd out on that this morning, but just just know how, how beautiful of an organization and how intentional Paul was when he did this and how guided by the Spirit he was when, when he wrote Ephesians 1. But in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You know what I want you to know about being sealed this morning? It means that you belong to him. If you've received the Spirit of God, it means that you are his. And I hope that it brings you encouragement to know that you are his. To not only know that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, as the Psalms say, but that you belong to him. And maybe you just need to remind yourself of that. Maybe just say it in your own spirit, just in your own heart this morning. Just say, man, I belong to Jesus. I belong to him. And your belonging wherever you belong to, to whomever you belong to will change your life because that is where you're devoted. And that is, in, that is, uh, you know, there's an element of this in marriage, right? You know, man, I belong to him and she belongs to me. And not in some weird way, not some kind of abusive way or like, you know, you got to do everything I say because you belong to me. It's not that. It's this unity. It's unity we're talking about. And when we belong, it's just go, man, Jesus, I belong to you. I belong to you. That's what he's talking about with being sealed it's almost like the uh, the envelopes back in the day they would seal them with with the ring, the wax right you, you guys have heard this before they dip the ring in the wax and they press it in to where the to where the seal goes and and and, and you saw the name you know you saw the you know, maybe the letter there just to just to remind you hey this is official and this is this is god's word and this is he belong you you belong to him When when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, this is when that happened. When you were saved, the spirit entered, the indwelling of the spirit we talked about last week, the spirit of God comes to live inside of you, to help you each and every day, to give you power, Acts 1-8 says, to go and be witnesses on Christ's behalf, to uh, continually be sanctified, chosen for holiness, right? So we're going to be made more and more like Jesus every day. So when you believe, that's what happened. And then verse 14, our, our last verse this morning. Check this out. Don't, don't miss this. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance. What is a down payment? Well, it's, most of us have made a down payment on a house or a car or something like that. It shows this is something that I highly value. And a down payment is kind of like having skin in the game, right? We, we use that phrase sometimes. You know, it's, it's, it's showing that there's an investment that I want this so bad, that, that I care so much that I'm willing, to, I'm willing to put some money down to show that I place high value on this thing, on, on this person, really. And God has done that and more. He, is, he, he has made good on his promises by giving us the spirit. He's like, hey, this inheritance, legit, you can trust in it as if it's happened now. There's a now but not yet component to it. But I'm going to send my spirit, the third person of the Trinity, to live inside of you to remind you, that my promises are good, that my promises are sure, and receive that encouragement today. Be reminded, no matter what you see around you, no matter what circumstances lie, guys, emotions will lie to us. The world we live in will lie to us and say, no, no, it was good, but not now. No, God has sealed you in the spirit. Receive the down payment of the inheritance until the redemption of the possession. There is a future time we will fully experience the inheritance, fully experience the adoption fully experience the salvation. Not not that you're not fully saved right now from your sins, but there is an essence of that to which, you know, we still live in a sinful world, but w- but you'll be saved from the presence of sin. And you will live eternally in heaven. And that's a that's a marvelous hope, guys. And that's what we hope in. And our inheritance, guys, our our treasure is not some it's not some material stuff in heaven that that we don't know what it is and whatever it is it's going to be great. No, guys, our deepest treasure is God himself. And we know whatever he gives us, whatever whatever the specifics of that inheritance. I'm so glad we don't know all of what it is right now because we'd be so we'd be so worried about that and not worried about this mission that he has us on. Well, but let me just invite you to just be encouraged by this gift basket this morning. And just to look at the blessings and then the last verse of this portion here. The last part of the verse, let's put that up on verse 14. Until the redemption of the possession, to the praise, there it is again, to the praise of his glory. Hey, let's get ready to fulfill our purpose this morning as we prepare to worship again. Can you bow your heads and join me in prayer? Jesus, we love you so much. I pray if there's anyone in here that needs to draw near to you this morning, they would do so. They'd call upon your name for salvation, that they would admit their sin to you, Lord, and that they would... uh, repent of their sin they would turn from the sin in their life in that direction and that they would place their faith in you through what you did on the cross and through what you did in the resurrection that they would put their belief in you and in doing that they would receive the Holy Spirit into their life that they would be forgiven of their sin that they would be um, that they would be redeemed God we pray that for everyone in this room but I pray for those who are redeemed Lord I pray for I pray for those who who know you and who want to know you more intimately God give them Give them a fresh stirring of the Holy Spirit within them. Holy Spirit, speak loud within them now. Call them to, to a, a deeper place of worship, or maybe just to faithful worship, just ongoing worship. Maybe it's been a while since we've just lifted up our voice to you. Maybe we've been taken in these words during the worship service for a while, and we haven't actually offered up our voice to you. God, you made us to sing. Whether it's a more of a joyful noise sound or whether we're gifted in the area, Lord, you you have created us to sing. You've created us to praise you. So help us praise you in our hearts today. May our worship be genuine. May it be faithful, just like you are, God. Help us to be faithful to you. Grow us, Lord. Help us remember we're chosen for holiness. God, I pray for everyone here that you would help them live a life that looks like you. Help me, Lord, live a life that looks like you. Help us all remember that you are working out your plan, yes, individually for each of us, but also together as a church, and then in this world. The cosmic plan, Lord, you are carrying it out according to your pleasure. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit anchorchurchcsra.com or follow us on social media at anchorchurchcsra.